similar to the song that you were singing, wasn't it? That God can, in a way. Yeah, though a man who can, right? Right, he's the only one who can, right? Amen. Amen. It is good to see you all this morning. We are going to be in Ephesians chapter 4, uh, verses 17 through 19, um, sermon number 24. All right? It's not bad, right? All right, so, um, and Sally's going to be working um, the remote here. Miss Rhonda wasn't able to make it this morning, and uh, thanks to her and thanks to Alex for, for uh, playing this morning, buddy. Appreciate it. So, um, the good old days. The good old days. Um, uh, now, it reminds me of a song. There was a country song about the good old days, aren't there? Was, uh, I can't remember. It was Two Ladies, I think. Yes, The Judge. Yes, the judge that's right. I, I, I knew. I, I, she, she's, she's our music encyclopedia back there in the back. Um, yes. Yeah, so uh, tell me about the good old days, right? Things like uh, when gum chewing was the worst trouble that uh, a student would, would, would be in, right? Or um, you didn't talk back to parents or adults at all. Um, you might get your mouth washed out with soap, all right? Uh, or you might get a, a stick to your rear end or something. Um, I never, that never happened to me. Um, but <laughs> but um, playing play outside, um, you know, just playing outside. Play, I can remember my papa just uh, playing softball with us with bare hands, you know, just playing with us. Um, uh, fishing. You know, picnics, right? Uh, digging in the dirt. Uh, you know, timeless things. Flying a kite. Okay, the Office TV show. I know it's not too back, but still, I mean, that just passes time. I mean, right, right. Alex, I mean, it's, it's, it's good. Um, but if we're really, really honest, uh, we have to admit that not everything in the past is better. Not everything, okay? Uh, you know, I mean, I used to think roller coasters were so fun until I was about about 27 I think I was, and I was teaching in Lee in Madison County and uh, at Lee Junior High School, and we had a trip at the end of the year for all the students who, who didn't have any referrals during the year, you know, and, and we went to Wild Adventures. And um, if I don't think she'll, I don't know if she's going to be listening to it uh, at all, but she's in the ministry, Sharon Quackenbush. She was a terrific student, okay, quiet, just, uh, you know, just always did the best she could. And she wanted me to ride on the Swinging Safari Ride. In wild adventures, right? And up until then, y'all, I had I, I wasn't scared of roller coasters. I ride any roller coaster. I'll do anything. Okay, I did the even like the bungee thing in, in Daytona. Like I didn't care. I, you know, I mean, black and blue springs, the top thing. Yeah, I go off of that too. Like I didn't care about anything. Like you know. And so anyway, uh, and I get on that on that ride, and let's just say it wasn't going well. You know, and and Sharon's laughing at me the whole time. I still remember. She's laughing. Ah, Coach Murphy. I'm like, no, no, I'm really sick, shit. Ah. I'm like, you're supposed to be the nice one, you know. And uh, so anyway, yeah, I got sick. And then at that point on, I can't. Sally has to be the one that rides with the girls on anything because I can't do it anymore. I just can't. Yeah, I'm a wimp now. All right, I get sick on anything. Um, okay, other things that maybe not uh, that we maybe thought were cool at one time, but not so much like later on. Uh, ringing in a new year. Uh, we actually did that this year, but yeah, we we said we said we're going to do it, and then around ten o'clock, I'm like, ah, you know, uh, or just pulling all nighters, you know. I could do that in college, you know, but as I got older, older, no, that not doing it. Uh, loud music in cars, right? You know, at one time we thought that was cool in high school, but then you got older, like 
man, can you turn that down? You're at a, you know, can you turn your music down? You know, um, or, uh, yeah, or Friends TV show. <laughs> if you like Friends, sorry. Uh, but, you know, while some things in the past are definitely better and more simple, more simple, our past lives before we came to Christ were definitely not better. Do you agree? All right. Um, and I love, this is beautiful, by the way, Ms. Jan. Uh, you know, I love it. Um, the cross, before the cross. But before you came to cross it, we came to cross it wasn't obviously a very good thing. And so we're going to look at that today. Think about your life before you came to Christ. What did that look like? Before you came to the cross, what did that look like? See, remember earlier in this chapter, a couple of weeks ago, when Paul wrote the following, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1, I think it's up there, uh, Sally. Uh, Therefore I, the prisoner and the Lord, urge you to walk worthy of the calling you have received. You remember that was kind of like the, you know, the introduction of the, of the second half of the book uh, of Ephesians, and it was like the thesis statement, you know, to, I'm urging you, uh, brothers and sisters uh, in Christ, to walk worthy of the calling you have received, to walk worthy. And we've, we've already seen some examples of this new walk and, and things like humility and gentleness and patience and love and unity and speaking the truth and love and growing in maturity. And now, and now Paul tells us a couple more things about our past lives here. He goes into some detail, reminding the Ephesians of who they used to be. And that leads me to today's central statement. So before we came to the cross, and this is our central statement today. And Miss Dolores is going to give me a hallelujah, amen. Our former walks before Christ were marked by darkness of the mind, a deadness of the soul, and a depravity of life. So if you're taking notes today, those are going to be your uh, three main points. So let's look into it here. We'll look at the first um, two verses that we're looking at today, Ephesians 4, 17 through 18. And we're actually, I'm going to actually stop at 18a uh, for a reason. All right, so therefore I say this and testify in the Lord, you should no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thoughts. They are darkened in their understanding. You can read the rest if you want. We're going to read that more later. But first thing I want to look at is Paul's tone. I think it's going to be up there. Sally, I'm not sure. It might not be. Uh, Paul's tone. Okay? And so before we get to Paul's tone, it says therefore. And you always, we all know that if there's a therefore, there must be a reason what it's there for. Right? There, there's got to be a reason. And so because we are all of these things that we mentioned earlier in Christ, because of those things we already talked about, Paul wants to tell us more. Okay? So, because of the things we've already talked about the last couple of weeks, now this, okay? I say this and testify in the Lord. Now, have you ever been called by your middle name, by your mom or dad? You know you're in trouble if you're called by your middle name. Patrick Edward Murphy, you better, you know, uh, I mean, or um, have you ever had a, a come to Jesus moment with a parent or a teacher or whatever? Or, uh, like, I think every now and then I, I'll preach to my students and they know I'm serious. And if I ever do like this... I'm serious, okay? I'm, I, I Listen to me, all right? Uh, and this is, that's what Paul is doing right here, okay? Paul says, I say this and testify in the Lord. Listen, because of these things in the past, listen to me, okay? I say this and testify. He's repeating that. So you all know if something's repeated, it's important. I say and I testify. Listen to me, Ephesians. In addition, we, we, we get our word martyr from the word for testify. It's a it's a strong word, okay? I say this and I testify. This is important. Listen to me. And then he goes on to say, in the Lord. So he says, I testify. I say this and testify in the Lord. Well, what's the big deal about that? Well, he's not saying it's not from me. This is from God. Listen to me, people of Ephesus. This is from God. 
This is not my suggestion. It's not my opinion. What I'm about to say is from God. Listen to me. Okay? It is a solemn warning that he is about to deliver some very serious stuff. See, it's a very serious matter that Christians break away from their former lives. Amen? It's a very serious thing. And so the first thing we'll see here is no longer walk as Gentiles do. That next part. No longer walk as Gentiles do. See, as Christians, we are not to imitate the life of the unsaved people around us. I mean, why do we try so hard to be like the world? I ask myself that same question sometimes. Why do we try so hard to be like the world? We're supposed to be different, to be separate. Romans 12, 2, do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. Also in 1 Peter 2, 9, but you are a chosen race. This right here, I'll make you like stand up and say amen or something, okay? All right. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his possession, so you may proclaim the praises of the one who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Boy, that's, a, that's some good scripture right there. Okay, it's all good, but boy, that right there make you want to make you want to dance or something here. And remember that he is who he is writing to. He's technically writing to Gentile people. They're not Jews, but he has also told them before, if you remember, that they now are fellow citizens with the saints and part of the household of God. All right, they're part of it. See, they were to see to it that their daily walk conforms to their new relationship. Recall that Paul already said the following about these same people in Ephesians chapter 2, and you were dead in your trespasses and sin, in which you previously walked according to the ways of this world, according to the ruler of the power of the air, the spirit now working in a disobedience. In disobedience. So he's already to, uh, told them this. We too all previously lived among them in our fleshly desires, carrying out the inclinations of our flesh and thoughts, and we were by nature children of the wrath, as the others were also. See, but we were dead in our sins. We were controlled by Satan, living out our own desires and doing whatever we wanted. So a similar uh, scripture, Paul tells the Colossians a, a very similar thing in Colossians chapter 3, verses 7 through 10. And you once walked in these things when you were living in them, but now put away all the following, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and filthy language from your mouths. Do not lie to one another. And this is what... Uh, Sally read earlier since you have put off the old self with his practices and have put on the new self you're being renewed in knowledge according to the image of our creator so to take off the old self and put on the new uh, I think mom's going to listen to this later but she used to get aggravated because I come home and change my clothes and then I go outside and play it I come back in I might change my clothes again Maybe, I don't know I was weird that way all right. oh no brother Patrick you're not weird uh, amen I don't know okay uh, and even uh, as a question question amen but uh, you know I, and my daughters have done similar things yeah, they'll change their clothes a couple times a day you know um, and so but th this that is a picture that we I want to plant uh, that Paul uh, paints here the idea of taking off old clothes and putting on new okay because that is worthy of our Creator. Look in 1 Thessalonians 2, verse 12. We encourage, comfort, and implore each one of you to walk worthy of God who calls you into His own kingdom and glory. All right? It's worthy of our Creator. So if you're taking notes today, the first point of the past life description is darkness of the mind. Number one, darkness of the mind. All right? And then, as I think Sally will go to the next, uh, the next slide here, this darkness can be seen in this scripture okay, uh, in, in two ways. Empty thoughts, dark and understanding. Okay, so that's your sub-points there if you're taking notes. And so first, empty thoughts. So darkness of the mind, empty thoughts. See, it really is an empty existence to not live with God. It's chasing after the wind. And the song kind of talked about that a little bit if you notice, if you think back about it. Uh, I just uh, posted this yesterday. I don't post a lot on social media, but I, I just I, I heard it in a sermon, and, and I, I said, man, I, just, I, I want to get that whole quote by Mother Teresa. And some of you may have seen it, but... 
She said, God has not called me to be successful. He's called me to be faithful. He's called me to be faithful. And I feel like more churches need to hear that. I feel like more pastors need to hear that, you know, uh, that, it, you know, it, we, we're, we're concerned about being faithful. That's what we should all be focused on. Because what is, what is success anyway? Well, what does that mean? Okay, well, I made first-team All-State football. Jimmy, what does that mean if we are living in the, in the world and living, living for Satan for years? What, what, is, what has it really gotten us? And see, if you don't believe me uh, about the emptiness, the empty thoughts, then believe the wisest human that ever lived, and human being that's not, a God, that not, that's not God, that's not Jesus, Solomon, where he said in Ecclesiastes 1, verse 14, it says, I have seen all the things that are done under the sun and have found everything to be futile, a pursuit of the wind. I've tried it all and it's all useless. Okay? He says earlier in the same chapter, Ecclesiastes 1, verse 2, absolute futility, says the teacher, absolute futility. Everything is futile. Okay? I don't know, Sally, if the next one is, if I put the other verse up there, go ahead and click it up. I think I might. Okay, I didn't. So just listen to this, to, to this, uh, this version. Meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher. Utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. I think you, you get the point there. In fact, the word for futile is used 39 times in the book of Ecclesiastes. It's not a big book. Okay? 39 times. Oh, it may seem like life is not meaningless for people without Christ at the time. All right? But there is definitely a dead-endedness of life for the unsaved. Amen? See, it reminds me of, um, of the many times that I've had students, and, and I'm sure if you, you know the other teachers in here have had students come up to, come up to you and say, you know, I, I, I wish I would have listened to you. Uh, you you, you kind of had it right. You know, you, what you were saying, you, 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 were, you were telling us the truth. So what is your life leading to? Well, how about those of us who are Christians? Where was your life leading to? Romans 1, verse 21 through 22 says, For though... They knew God. They did not glorify Him as God or show gratitude. Instead, their thinking became worthless. There you see it again. And their senseless hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. And it's not enough that their minds were dark already. Satan comes in and makes it worse because he's our great enemy. And 2 Corinthians 4, verses 3-6 through 6 says, But if our gospel was veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this age, Satan, has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the, glory, of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For we're not proclaiming ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves are your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, Let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of God's glory in the face of Jesus Christ. So Satan doesn't want you to know the truth. Amen? He doesn't want you to know it. And then, uh, as we look at this, this darkness of the mind, and not only is it uh, empty thoughts, characterized by empty thoughts, but characterized by a darkened understanding. This is related specifically to spiritual ignorance. Spiritual ignorance. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 14 says, But the person without the Spirit does not receive what comes from God's Spirit, because it is foolishness to him. He is not able to understand it since it is evaluated spiritually. One of the reasons why you need to pray for your unsaved Christians and I'm sorry, your unsaved friends, unsaved brothers and sisters, all right, family members. Just pray for them. Pray that God will open their eyes because it, it, it needs to be, because it's foolishness to them, the message. And in fact, 1 Corinthians 1.18, it's not up here, uh, Sally, but uh, listen to this one. It goes right with it. For the word of the cross, the message of the cross, is foolishness to those who are perishing, but it is the power of God to us who are being saved. See, it's foolishness to them. It doesn't make sense to them. 
it's, it's, there's an ignorance that they don't they don't get it. It's like a teacher. I, I know Jimmy's heard that funny story I've told my class before. How I had a uh, you know it's not it's not true that all blinds are dumb. Okay, there are blinds here. That's like that's right. Amen, brother Patrick. Uh, but but I did have one who was definitely she definitely fit the dumb blind criteria as far as how she acted. Now she's actually a lawyer now. Okay, she was never uh, dumb, but there was things she she didn't get jokes, and that was funny. Okay, I would tell a joke in class, and she was in middle school, and she would totally, not only did she not get it, but she would uh, express herself in a way that definitely put her in that category of dumb blonde. She would be like, I don't get it. I, I don't get it, coach. I don't get it. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. But anyway, um, and that's a funny way of saying yeah, that, that um, yes, non-Christians just don't get it. They don't, they, it, it's, it's foolishness to them. This message of the cross is foolishness to them because they have a darkened understanding. And that's our lives before Christ. Our former walks before Christ, our former lives were marked by darkness of the mind. And then number two, a deadness of the soul and a depravity of life. And so you're going to see the whole verse 18 up here, I believe. But I want to focus on the second part, B, on 18B. Excluded from the life of God. Excluded from the life of God. That's a sad statement, is it not? We never like to be left out. We, We don't like to be left out of anything. You better invite me. I, why, why would I invite it to that party? You know, we or you know, so excluded. I know we've all felt that way, alienated from the life of God. And see, it's like a chain reaction here in that our lives before Christ was characterized by the futility of our minds because our understanding was darkened, because we were alienated from the life of Christ. It's an interesting, like chain there. See, what a sad statement. This has got to be one of the saddest in the Bible. Excluded from the life of God. If you recall, Paul tells the Christians at Ephesus this very thing earlier in the book, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 12. Again, we did it weeks back. At that time, you were without Christ, excluded from the citizenship of Israel and foreigners to the covenants of promise, without hope and without God in the world. Very sad statement. How sad to be a foreigner, to have no hope. And others can see that, by the way. Colossians 1.21, Once you are alienated and hostile in your minds, as expressed in your evil actions... It was expressed in how we lived our lives before, before we came to the cross. And again, though, I, I'm so thankful for one of my favorite verses, Romans 5.8. You know, we had to put it in here. But God proves His own love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. See, it, it, it's a de- deadness of the soul. See, co- just come to the cross. Amen? Come to the cross. Don't, don't try to go change your clothes. Don't try to go take a shower. Get all nice and pretty or gussied up and put your cologne on. Just come to the cross. That's just the way you are. Amen? Just come as you are. right? Because He proved His love to us while we were still sinners. Christ died for us. Praise God. Amen? So our former walks, our former lives were marked by a darkness of the mind, a deadness of the soul, and a depravity of life. Ephesians 4, 18 through 19, I just want to read the last part of, of uh, 18, okay? Because of the ignorance is where I'm picking up the third line there, end of it. Because of the ignorance that is in them and because of the hardness of their hearts, they became callous and gave themselves over to promiscu- promiscu- promiscuity, can't read this morning, for the practice of every kind of impurity with a desire for more and more. So we're going to spend a little more time on this one than we did the second one there. But look at the number three is depravity of life. And if you're taking notes, that depravity is seen by the following things based on the Scripture here in Ephesians. Ignorance, hard hearts, 
surrender to all sorts of sin and an unsatisfied desire for more. So if you're taking notes, we're going to look at those four. Okay, it's just subpoints there. All right, so ignorance. Again, this is a reference to spiritual ignorance. Um, but can we as a church maybe take some blame here? I mean, I know this is kind of an oh me, uh-oh, I step on my toes. and um, You know, ignorance does mean a lack of knowledge, but maybe we can at least shoulder some of the blame here and some of the teaching that's been done in churches over the years. But see, there are other places where ignorance is mentioned in the Bible. Acts chapter 17, verse 30 says, Therefore, having overlooked the times of ignorance, God now commands all people everywhere to repent. It says in Hebrews 5, verse 2, He is able to deal gently with those who are ignorant and are going astray, since He is also clothed with weakness. And God can, Jesus can identify, and He says, It's okay, let me tell you. Let me tell you about the truth of Jesus Christ. First Peter 1 Peter 1.14, As obedient children, do not be conformed to the desires of your former ignorance. Again, ignorance, and some people just don't know. And there's a, you know, and it makes me think of the, the missionaries, and Sally referred to it earlier, and you know, um, people don't know what they don't know. They don't know about Jesus. You know, that's, why we, that's why we have the offering. That's, you know, North American Mission Board, that's people in Canada and America. Okay? And then the International Mission Board is for outside of those areas. So thank God for those people who are faithful to answer the call, amen, and share the gospel with those who need to hear it. And then the second one, and this is, man, this is a hard one, um, and yeah, hard hearts, hard hearts. See, another translation uses the word blindness here. Can you relate? See, I'm sure that we have all met people who are hard, maybe a demeanor that where it's difficult to get to know them. That's a hard person to get to know. You know, you ever heard you said that expression? Or um, they seem almost uncaring, right? um, just just stone faced. I believe Paul was going for something a little more here, though. Not just a hard heart, but hardened heart, hardened. This word implies a certain stubbornness and reflects the results of opportunities being resisted over and over again. An opportunity to come to Christ and no, not today. Not today. See, it's repeatedly making wrong choices that causes the heart to become callous and insensitive to the things of God. Right? It just gets harder and harder and you can't break through. Can't break through to him. What a sad place to believe to, to be. And and I know those those here. I bet most of you know about this. In fact, I can just ask what what person in the Old Testament has was uh, said many times to have a hard heart. Y'all know Pharaoh. 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 Exodus seven through fourteen. Go back and read it. Okay. He's so many times he's talked about having a hard heart. Sad thing. See, in addition. Uh, to, to Pharaoh, we also see this in Matthew 13, verses 14 and 15. See, Isaiah's prophecy is said in Isaiah, and so they're quoting Isaiah here. It says, Isaiah's prophecy is fulfilled in them, which says, You will listen and listen, but never understand. You will look and look, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown callous. Their ears are hard of hearing, and they have shut their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn back, and I would heal them. you feel like you know people like that? If you do, if you have somebody in mind, pray for that person. Pray that God will soften his or her heart. Right? Because the Bible is very clear about that. And you know, the warnings in the Scripture that we see today about having a hard heart. This is sad when someone gets to this point. And here's the warning, Romans 2, verse 5. Because of your hardened and unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself in the day of wrath when God's righteous 
judgment is revealed. My, my, I, I like storing up food. You know, we put up corn all the time. All right, love doing that. It's a big old family thing. We have corn for last for months. After that, well, I don't, I don't want to be storing up wrath. I don't want any more than I don't want any of it. <laughs> Amen. I don't want to be storing up a bundle of it for sure. And and also there's a veil, a veil keeping them from God. And I was reading about Moses and they had to put a veil on because of the glory of God in the, in, in the Old Testament times in Exodus. And, and look, look what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 13 through 18. We are not like Moses who used to put a veil over his face to prevent the Israelites from gazing steadily until the end of the glory of what was being set aside, but their minds were hardened. For to this day at the reading of the Old Covenant, the same veil remains. It is not lifted because it is set aside only in Christ. You'll remember that. It is set aside only in Christ. Yet still today, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their heart. But whenever a person turns to the Lord, comes to the cross, amen, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is a spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Woo. We all, with unveiled faces, are look, looking in as a mirror at the glory of the Lord and are being transformed to the same image from glory to glory. This is from the Lord who is the Spirit. Praise God that that veil was set aside only in Christ. Or I was just talking to Jimmy how there's a person at, at school who made this statement about kids who always tend to get in trouble and always you know, want to be sent to, you know, suspended or expelled. And um, the comment that that person made at, at school was, I don't understand why people, why these kids are so in much of a rush to lose their freedom. You know, which is a sad statement, but man, freedom is an amazing thing. Amen. All right, freedom in Christ. That veil is set aside only in Christ, coming to the cross. Number three, in the sub uh, the sub point here, surrender to all sorts of sin, of sin here. Um, it, it says it gave themselves over to, and here's some of the words that you can see in other in other versions, so you don't have to like pull up a different ver bunch of versions here of the Bible, but promiscuity, indecency, uh, sensuality, insatiable desires. See, the word for promiscuity is also translated lasciviousness. Lasciviousness. Wow, that's a hard word to say. This Greek word denotes lewd or wanton conduct that shocks public decency. It, it's, it's the abandoning of oneself to unrestrained practices, especially sexual and or greediness. The one who does this can be so described as one who no longer cares to hide their sin. They don't care. This is a dangerous place to be because it does not matter to that person who sees their shame or, or who they hurt or what methods they use so long as they gratify their desires. Boy, we, can, we know about that stuff now, don't we? We can get to talking about our culture, but we know about that. We, see it, we start seeing it a whole lot more, uh, uh, more often now these days. Romans 1 verse 24 says, Therefore God delivered them over and desires their hearts of sexual impurity so that their bodies were degraded among themselves. And we were told again to put these things to death. And Colossians, therefore, put to death what belongs to our earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. We were told and said to walk with decency. Romans 13, verse 13, let us walk with decency as in the daytime, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual impurity and promiscuity, not in quarreling and jealousy. See, every kind of impurity can also be translated filth. Okay? But again, that, that, that's the depravity of life that we see here. And the last thing that's mentioned by Paul is unsatisfied desire for more. As if ignorance and callousness and indecency wasn't enough, Paul goes further. See, we all know of stories, I'm sure you know stories of just one more drink, man. 
Just one more drink. Just one more smoke, one more hit, one more night. I, it reminds me of, uh, uh, Sally, you remember Brother Bill used to preach that sermon about the speaking of Pharaoh and um, the plagues and about the frogs. Look back, when you get a chance, look back at the story about the frogs. Because right? Pharaoh asked him, says, when do you want, or, or, or Moses asked Pharaoh, when do you want me to plead to God to remove these frogs? And he says, tomorrow. One more night with a bunch of frogs. Whole another sermon that I might have to ask Brother Bill if I can preach this, preach that one for him. I mean, here because it's a good one. One more night with the frogs. One more. One more. Come to the cross instead. Amen. Come to the cross. We can't do it on our own power. We need the Holy Spirit. And that starts again with the mind and the trusting that the Holy Spirit will lead us into becoming stronger and more mature Christians. See, our former lives were marked by a darkness of the mind, a deadness of the soul, and a depravity of life. I'm going to ask uh, Alex to come on up as we wrap up here this morning. Oh, God wants so much more for us as Christians. Amen? So much more. And this is not one of those that's easy to preach. You know, this is like, this is the existence of our lives before Christ. But it's a good reminder of where we used to be. Amen? Where we used to be. And I think if you, if you, you know, you can't appreciate where you are until you look back at where God pulled you from. Amen. Brian Chapel says, The sin in which we indulge for a while hardens our hearts. This is kind of like an overview of, of what's already been said. Darkens our minds to the evil of what we're doing and ultimately makes us less sensitive to and less fulfilled by the profound satisfaction God provides by His blessing in our lives. There's nothing better than you. Lord, there's nothing better than you. Amen? Keep in mind again as we close this out that this whole message was about our former way of, life, of, of living. Amen? It's our past. We talked about earlier about sometimes not everything in the past was uh, all that great. But it's our past. We don't live like that anymore. First Peter 1 verse 18 and 19 For you know that you're redeemed from your empty way of life. Again, you see the empty. You see the uh, the connection there, inherited from your ancestors, not with perishable things like silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of an unblemished and spotless lamb. We have a present and a future. Amen. Hallelujah for the cross. Hallelujah for the cross. I once was lost, but now I'm found, right? Was blind, but now we see. Amen. And so if you don't know who I'm talking about, a man named Jesus Christ who took the, the death on the cross that we should have died in our place. And it's a matter of saying, I, I accept what Jesus did on the cross, that it counted for me in my place. I want to accept that finished work on the cross that Jesus has done. And I want to try to live for, live for Him, make Him the Lord of my life. But the Bible tells, uh, tells us that you're saved. And you believe Jesus Christ died on the cross, He rose from the grave. We're talking about that today. We're talking about death on the cross. And, and next week is Easter, right? And, and now while we don't have a separate you know, uh, sermon on specifically the resurrection, at this point, God might change my mind. You never know. All right? But uh, and, you know, uh, it's, this is a time where uh, we, we really focus on what Jesus did on the cross and the fact that he's not on it anymore. Amen? All right? Praise God. Hallelujah. All right? I'm going to ask Sally to lead us in a song here. Let's stand and sing hymn 317.